Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. See, I got my fine men of God helping me this morning. Can you hold this for a second? Thank you, son. Good morning, church. You ready for the word this morning? Amen. Try some different things this morning just because this is the way I practiced. But uh, I was thinking earlier when they were singing that song, Fill Me Up, I was seeing a vision of when you go get drink at that drink machine and you get your Coke and it fills up and foams over. I'm just thankful this morning that Jesus never runs out. You know, sometimes you go to that drink machine and the carbonation is left, right? How many of you had Sprite? that didn't have carbonation in it, or you had Coke that didn't have carbonation in it. But Jesus is the well that never runs dry this morning. Amen. I'm going to get right into the word. I do want to honor Apostle for giving me the opportunity to minister as well as prophetess and all the other leaders. And here and abroad that have been praying for me, that encourage me. And most importantly, my wife, who is my number one cheerleader, who is in the children's ministry. Uh, she, she's my rock. And, of course, my children. So I'm just excited to be in the house of God this morning. I love Jesus. It's good to see some familiar friends. I see them slipping in the back, but uh, it's just good to see you this morning. And so I do have a propped up here, but we'll get right into it. But as I begin to study and prepare for this word, I couldn't help but think of this clothing line that most of you may be familiar with. Most of you probably see it. This is the Under Armour. Under Armour has this slogan, 
you may or may not know what it is. Does anyone want to take a guess? All right, we got a witness. <laughs> Under Armour says, protect this house, I will. Protect this house, I will. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And I want you to see how pretty this shirt is. Because Under Armour, like we as believers, understands that protecting this house is their slogan. But what is our response? Come on. What is our response? I will. Under Armour understands that even though we present something to you, you have to respond. Protect this house. Protect this house. Amen. Just want to make sure the church is with me this morning. I love this slogan because it, we see this all through uh, the media and certain um, entities as they market their product. I love what you do for me. Toyota. I just had to throw that out there to you. All right. Um, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn into your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. And as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about protecting this house, I will. Corinth was one of the largest cities in the Roman world. Corinth was located in Greece. Corinth was a city that worshipped Roman gods. Corinth was a port city with two main ports that occupied trade routes. In other words, this was a high-end city that had trade routes. Uh, the closest one to us would probably be in Wilmington. Uh, if you've ever seen a huge one upstate New York. So this was, a, this was a huge port city. Strategic commercial took place and they saw international pleasure. That's key. Corinth was in the center of the sports arena. It's football time. Can I say amen? <laughs> college time, football. So, hey, go Bears. We support our local colleges and those. Well, we got some Raiders in the house. Amen. It's football time. You know, that, that's exciting. We even got family. Hey, we know. Woo, woo, woo. The son's playing football. So, Seahawks, okay. So, whatever your team is, you know, you can relate to this city because this was an action city. You know, it had everything going on, trading going on. It was a sports city. It was a happening place. But the church was also at Corinth. It was kind of like a small home church. And there's a good possibility that this church met in Priscilla and Aquila's house. I found that very interesting. So, Paul founded this church. And this church was about five years old. You can tell the power and authority a man has by the weight of his words. Apostle Paul was a great spiritual father. And no doubt... This was a man who deserved respect and could demand it if he needed to. Apostle Paul was an educated man. We're familiar with the character of Paul. And also I want you to remember that Paul was a prominent religious leader who at one point persecuted Christians for their faith thinking he was fulfilling his religious duty. No doubt the life experiences shaped Paul into the leader he was. 1 Corinthians 4 and 21, we see the pen words of a spiritual father. He referred in his letters to his beloved children. So we see the heart of Apostle Paul, but as we look and see Paul's heart, it's most importantly that we glean into the heart of God the Father, Abba Father. So let's pick this up as a backdrop in chapter 4. Chapter 4, Paul tells us that the church, he's going to send Timothy, his beloved and faithful son. So Paul asked the question, should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Now let's read chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, 
and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present. Him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of serenity and truth. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in this pulpit today. Lord, I'm asking you to come to send your glory, that you would be glorified, to anoint me as your servant, Lord, to preach your eternal, everlasting word. I thank you for everyone in this room, Lord, and I'm asking, God, that this word falls on their hearts, Lord, to penetrate deep into the bone to accomplish your will today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. My subject today is we all as believers must fulfill our responsibility. Chapter 1, of uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. The fact that you have just received this report makes you and I accountable. If you've ever received the report, you have to respond to that report. So you are accountable this morning. So here is your report. There's sexual immorality in the church. This is your report. You don't have to deny it. You don't have to talk about it. This is the report. This is the facts. This is the truth. There's sexual immorality in the camp. How will you respond? Because to not respond is not an option. You have to respond to the report. Everyone in this church has a responsibility. Let's talk about morality. What is morale? Doing the right thing. Is simply doing the right thing. What is immorality? Evil, sinful, simply wrong behavior. Even as children, we understand that. Jonathan, don't do that. We spank a butts, we spank a hands. We know, even as a child, we know right from wrong. How is it that we want to turn a deaf eye or ear to it when we become adults? When as, even as children, we are taught morale from the beginning. You are taught a belief system. This is right. This is the standard. This is wrong. We don't do this. We have a standard. So why do we address right and wrong? Because we have a conscience. Every one of you in this room has a conscience. If you was to go out here and do something wrong, your conscience is going to tell you that you messed up. We also address immorality because we have a responsibility. We have received the report, and we know what the issue is. We don't have to sugarcoat it. We know what it is. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When you know to do right and don't do it, you are deceiving no one else but yourself. So we see here is a church that had turned a deaf ear and eye to the immorality that was going on. They, they were only deceiving themselves. Why do what we do what is right because we have a responsibility to God? The Bible says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Can it get any clearer than that, church? Our first responsibility is to God and then one another. Proverbs 21 and 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. 
Let's look at the leader's responsibility here. God holds the leader accountable. In Hebrews 13 and 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would not benefit you. Protect this house. I will. The leader has a responsibility. The report got to Paul. Paul was accountable to send the report and address the situation. The leader has a responsibility. The man of God has a responsibility. I have a responsibility as an individual. I can read this slogan all day long, protect this house. But if I don't treat this body right and exercise, I can't blame nobody but myself. If I am to bring discipline to my personal body, I have to do that myself. You can't stop me from eating ice cream. Come on. Whatever it is, on the smallest scale to the biggest scale, we have a personal discipline to discipline ourselves. My responsibility comes from Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, that includes everyone. If someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in the way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So we see here is a big deception going on. We live in a culture today that is deceived. Any, I could go on in immorality. Uh, abortion is immorality. Anything that goes contrary to what God's word is, is immorality. We live in a culture that is full of immorality. I don't need to, to go deeper in that. The church has a responsibility. So we see the leader has a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Brothers and sisters, we as a church have a responsibility to address immorality. Warn of the enemy. Your devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. Do you know when a lion roars, he incapitates everything around him? One study says that when a lion roars, the lion's roar is so loud, anything in the close vicinity of it, it deafens them. What causes this to happen is the roar of the lion, and then the females are the ones that attack. So Father God is roaring for you. He's already doing the work. All you got to do is fulfill the roar. Fulfill the responsibility. Warn. Sound the alarm. Do we hear the church sounding the alarm today? Are we as an individual sounding the alarm today? No, we're like this church, turning a deaf eye, deaf ear to it, letting anything and everything goes. We got to stand up, church. We got to stand up and we got to fight. If you don't fight as a church, and if I don't fight as an individual, the Bible says I'm doing nothing but deceiving myself. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. That is so crucial. As some are in the habit of doing. Sounds like deception to me. All the more. Would you believe that we're living in all the more days? It does take all that. It takes all that to discipline yourself. There's temptation on every side. Don't think you can stand. You better discipline yourself. As you see the day approaching. So we see the church must. Come on, protect this house. I will. Let's look at the responsibility of discipline. Now, we've all had those moments where we've neglected our duty. I'm going to give you scripture, James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Guilty. Lord, forgive me. Move on. We've all had those moments. 
Let's look at verse 2. We see here, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. The condition of this church was immorality, but the proposition should have been mourning. The Corinth church was puffed up, which means they were operating in wrong behavior, which led to immorality. Morality, mourning, good morale would have been mourning. This is a deadly sin, immorality, deception going on in this church. They were so arrogant, puffed up, when the proposition should have been repentance, mourning. We cannot tolerate this. We will not tolerate this. Instead of what should have been taking place, it was a negative disposition. Godly sorrow should have been taking place, leading to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 7 through 9. I'm going to start at 6. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. You know, I read to you earlier that the apostle Paul wanted to see his children doing good. He wanted to have the report that he can give them the rah-rah. Keep going, church. Keep going, church. You can do it. You can win. You're, you're, you're doing what God's called you to do. But that wasn't the report that the apostle received. Can you imagine? Most of us in here have children. We know what it's like for our children to serve God. When our children serve God, there's probably nothing in our heart or in our being that excites us more to see our children in the way. But when you see a child that you know has taught the moral way, go the way of immorale. Can you imagine what that does to your heart? I mean, even on my level, as I deal with teenagers, it excites me when I hear them say, yes, sir. Yes, dad. But on the other hand, there's days where they say, what? I've taught them the right way, but the right way don't always respond. I will, Daddy. Verse 3, let's look at the proposition. We have the responsibility to discipline. If indeed, having been clothed, no, I'm just going to say, let me go back to you. Verse 3 of 5. So we're going back to chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians and we're looking at verse 3. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present. Him who has so done this deed, we have a responsibility to discipline. Why does discipline take place? To correct wrong behavior. To perfect moral character. Why do they drill in you if you go into the military boot camp? Because they want to teach you respect. They want to teach you their way of doing it. On the opposite side of that, if you think you're going to go from high school and play ball to the collegiate level, I bet you your butt's going to be up at 4.30 in the morning practicing, running drills, because this is the standard. And if you want to play on this team, not only are you going to be on the field in the morning, but when you get done with school, you're going to be back on the field because that is the standard. I've been through that. I know what that's like. So in other words, we discipline to bring about a desired result. The Spirit says, I will perfect that which concerns us. If we discipline ourselves to train by instruction to bring about self-control, now listen, this is a download from the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. 
People focus on self, but not the control of self. People focus on self, but not the control of self. That's what was happening in this church. They were puffed up, focusing on their self, but they wasn't controlling their self. I want to bring this point out too. You notice in this text that Paul is responding to the letter and he tells them, should I come with the rod or should I come with you in a gentleness and spirit? But Paul is not present. His presence is present, but Paul is not present. Let me give you an example. Some of you may be able to relate with this. Being at home, playing outside, do something you shouldn't do. You're there at home with mama, but daddy's not there. And you know you did something you wasn't supposed to do. So mama is bringing about a discipline, but you don't want to heed mama's discipline. So what does mama say? Come on, talk to me, church. Wait till daddy gets home. Now, why is mama telling you that? Because mama has an understanding that you know daddy's discipline is different. And I may not be able to get through to your thick skull, but when your daddy get home, he going to take care of it. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Do I need to come to you and address this in my present being, or do I need to address this with just my presence? That's the beauty of this. Paul had such an understanding that he said, I'll just send my presence. My presence of daddy. I don't necessarily have to be there, but I'll send my presence. And I know they better shape up because of my presence. The word present also means in a place, but not seen. Let's look at verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, I like that. What does that tell me? Listen, church. Discipline always takes place in the name of the Lord. His presence. Ezekiel 3 and 17 says, Son of man. I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Listen, church, Matthew 18 and 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Jesus Christ, his father, does not have to be present. He told his disciples, it is necessary that I go away, but I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the comfort. Why? Because he understood my presence makes all the difference. The presence of a father. Discipline must always take place in the presence of God. When my children are acting up, I can get in the flesh. And I've learned over the years that I can't react in the flesh. I must respond to the spirit. And my wife helps me with this all the time. And she, she helps me understand that the power of my words can do more harm than good. And that's what we see at Paul. He's seeking the father on how he is to address this immorality. But it always, always takes place in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is present to validate the judicial activity in the church. Daniel 7 and 9, a familiar scripture by this church. If not, hear the word of the Lord. I kept looking until thrones were set up. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. 
and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat. I'm talking about the presence of God. And the books were opened. Verse 4, we see the presence of Jesus is necessary for discipline. John 20, 22 through 23 says, when he had said this. Now, I want you to get this picture. Jesus Christ is getting ready to be crucified, and he understands that he's going away, and this is what the Bible says. When he had said this, he's talking to his disciples, which would have been his church. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, he was talking to the church. Now, I love this. Because the verse continues to go on. Listen, church. Are you listening? Tell me you're listening. Forgive anyone's sins. This is the church now. Not Apostle Paul. This is the church. The power of the church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. This is the church he's talking to. Jesus breathes on them his presence. Forgive anyone's sins. Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's powerful, church. So I want to tell you this. Confessing to one another brings healing. It doesn't bring deception. When we're dealing with immorality or if you're facing something, confess it to somebody that you know you can trust because it brings healing, and I'm going to give you scripture for that. James 5 and 16, confess... Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Does it say confess to Paul? Confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful in effectiveness. Now, don't get it twisted. Jesus Christ is the only one that has the power to ultimately forgive sin. But when we're dealing with sin, immorality in the church, you can confess that and be healed. Responsibility to deliver or deliverance. Verse 5. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus What is the true quality of a leader? Action. A true leader takes action. A lot of times we live in a day where leaders don't want to take action. Pray for your leaders. Become the leader. Let someone follow you. A leader's not afraid to take action. Galatians 5 and 1. Is it for freedom that Christ has set us free? Stand firm. Then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The action of dealing with the flesh led to the saving of a soul. Protect this house. I will. 1 Timothy verse 18, Paul charges Timothy, fight the good fight, wage war, having faith, a good conscience. I would like to think, church, that if I was on my way to hell, that there would be a leader or a church that would stand in the gap for me and would not let me go to hell. I need somebody to fight for me. I need somebody to stand up for me when I don't see my way. I was over here cleaning yesterday. And this brother rolled up under the carport. Can I get a witness? You're the only one, Micah. Because I want you to see this is real. This time that this word is coming across, this is not for show. Because you're going to be responsible for this word. 
And I'm going to be responsible, even as I prepared. But I was here cleaning. I'm telling you the power of a church. So this brother rolls up under the carport. I'm cleaning out in the front. I thought it was my wife because she was bringing me Smoothie King. That's the only reason. But I'm going to show you how intricate God is for one person. Don't ever forget that. So this message may be for just one person in this room, and that's perfectly okay. But I'm cleaning. I hear a horn toot. I'm like, I know my wife ain't going to do that. So I go, look. I go outside as a brother. He's like, are you the pastor of this church? I was like, no, sir. But I said, how can I help you? I'm one of the ministers here. I said, but we do have a senior pastor. I said, but anyway, I can help you. I'll be glad to. Automatically, the Holy Spirit is at work. What's the chances of me being here at the time I was here to connect with this brother that was in this situation? Now, I'm not going to mention his name, but he showed me his driver's license. He said he just got out of Wake Forest Hospital and showed me the pictures where his body's eat up with ulcers. He was, and this goes along with the message today. He was supposed to be in the hospital, but they dismissed him. And he comes home. I'll make sure I ain't got no chitlins in here. Most everybody's an adult. Parental discretion is advised. But he comes home to find his wife of eight years in the bed with another man. And he's showing up right here on the church doorstep talking to me. I received the report. How will I respond? Popped his trunk. I was like, hey, man, I don't play that game. What you got in your trunk? You know, I ain't trying to go back there and see no, no dead body or nothing like that. You know, <laughs> them, you don't know. He could have just showed up and said, hey, I just, I need help. So I talked to him, I counseled him, I prayed with him. He's like, I got to get away. I got family in Greensboro. All I want is some gas money to get to Greensboro. I said, all right, fine, brother. I'll pray with you, you know. He's like, but I got to tell you something, Mr. Sloan. Will you pray for me and, and ask God to forgive me because I beat the wheels off that? I said, well, you know, I'm not going to judge you for that. You are sick fighting for your life thinking the one that's fighting for you is going to be there, and you come home to this situation. This is just to yesterday. I pray with him. Pray God, ask God to heal him, and ask him. I said, now you got to promise me something. I'm not promised tomorrow, nor you. And, and you know, if you ever looked in somebody's eyes, you can tell when they're deathly sick. You can see it in their eyes like dis, the discoloration. I said, the most important thing to me is, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin? I do believe that, Mr. Sloan. Do you believe that if Jesus was to call you home, you would be with him? I don't know. But I know he's my Lord. I said, well, let's pray right now. And I said, I want you to know if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved and you can have a new beginning and a fresh start. And I prayed the prayer of salvation with him. And I said, now I'm not going to only pray with you because to him that's in their power to do good, he must do it. Now I said, I don't have a lot, but I said, I can't help you get gas to Greensboro. I'm not going to give you money, but we'll go right over here and I'll put gas in your tank. I'll fill you up and you can be on your way. And I said, I want you to text me when you get to Greensboro because I, in my background, I know... I knew from the, the get-go he wasn't trying to play me because I don't play them games. We've all had those times where, yeah, they got me. They got me. But I vowed that I don't care if they get me or not. I'm going to do what I know I should do 
Because at the end of the day, when I stand before God, he's going to say, you helped them even when they got over on you. You did what I called you to do. Well done. Protect this house, I will. So I helped that brother. And right when I was getting ready to drive over, he got a phone call. And one of his friends called him and, and met him at the store. I didn't even have to go over and take him to the store. God already worked it out because I was going to sacrifice money I didn't have to help him. But God worked it out. And just because I was willing to help him, his friend called and he met him. And he texted me. And you know from here, you know how long it takes to get to Greensboro. About, right about time, he texted me and called me. He said, thank you, Mr. Stone, for praying with me. I'm in Greensboro. I really needed that because I don't know where I'd be if you wouldn't have prayed with me right now. Life or death situation. People every day taking their lives. Let me get back on point. I just had to share that with you. The point is the charge here. I would want to think that somebody was standing in the gap for me. Now the purpose of this judgment, we see here that the Bible says, Deliver such a one to Satan. Well, I originally thought about this. I was like, this is awful. This is awful. But it was beautiful. This was a beautiful thing. Can you imagine the heartbreak that the church felt to have to deliver this verdict to this man? Out. How many of you got your children? Get, get, get to get and get on out. Get out. That might have saved your child at that moment. This was what the discipline was, get out. Get out. You got to go. You can't stay here. I don't know where you're going, but you got to go. We've, we might have said that before. Get to getting. And don't let the door hit you on the way out, you know. Y'all can fill in the gap there. But the purpose of this judgment was salvation for this man. Matthew 10 and 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. But cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Did you know that sin has a will? Sin has a will. It's called death. Sin has a will. Death. The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life. Verse 6 says, your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now this is in reference to Exodus chapter 12 verse 15. This is so powerful and beautiful. This was when the, the blood was put on the doorpost. This was the memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. See, this had to be dealt with so it wouldn't affect generations. As a statute forever, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice. Of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. This was so glorious because this was a memorial that was taking place when God proved that he was going to take his children out of bondage from Egypt, which led to the Passover of them putting the blood on the doorpost and God passing over them. Now, what is this? What is this old leaven? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. What is this leaven? It's yeast that ferments and causes a reaction. I got to wrap this up. This is a leaven of malice and wickedness, the process. So what they would do is they would take a small lump of highly fermented meal and place it within a large lump of a new fresh dough and the larger batch would be permitted to ferment over a long period of time 
until it became a sizable quality of concentrated yeast. And whenever it was needed for, break, for baking bread, a small piece was taken and inserted in the bread dough. And this was the method of producing more yeast to place these lumps of dough in a convenient spot that was warm or dark. Deception. Y'all mind if I tell you one more story? So in my days of law enforcement, they would call us to the jail often. And I just thank God to be able to rate, relate to all walks of life. I'll just kind of give you an example of how this leaven leavens. How something small becomes something big if you don't deal with it. Most of the time you have what you call detention officers, right, in the jail. Their job is to bring corrected behavior. But every now and then they would cause such a disturbance in the jail that they would have to call us deputies off the road. So they call us off the road one day, and they call me, and I'm the first one there. And what these inmates have done is, in their cell blocks, they were taking fruit that they were receiving for breakfast and putting it with orange juice and allowing it to ferment over time. And it was creating alcohol. And I'm telling you, when they drunk this stuff, it was an immediate head rush intoxication. So... This one guy comes, I open the cell block, and he is just cursing me and coming at me. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't going to tolerate it. I tased his butt. I got so scared because in the jail cell was cement, cement concrete floor. And I tased him, and he fell like a tree. And he hit that concrete. And I kid you not, he had a knot on his head that big. I thought, oh, Lord, I just killed him. <laughs> he didn't die. He lived, praise God. But the story is, this ferment is a reaction. This leaven is a reaction. It must be dealt with. Leaven, in the Greek word, is chamez. This means sours the dough of bread. And this malice is the desire to inflict injury. So, in other words, if Paul and the church wouldn't have dealt with this immorality, for one, the sourness would have continued. How many of you ever tried that sour candy? Smelt something sour. But malice is desire to inflict injury. That to me does not sound like God's best. This chamez is the intent of the flesh. The Bible says deliver this man's flesh. It doesn't say deliver his soul. It says deliver this man's flesh. In other words, there needed to be a crucifixion of the intent of this man's heart. There was something wrong with the intent of this flesh. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to address the flesh, you got to purge it. you got to clean it out. From the inside out, purging has to take place. What is that? A removal has to take place. In other words, remove the old system. Now, I'm going to give you another quick story, and I'm going to try to wrap this up because last Saturday night, I was going downstairs to lock my garage door, and I look on the basement floor, and I see water. And I look up on my ceiling, and I'm like, oh, no, I got a leak somewhere. So I take the ceiling tile down, and I look up and pull the insulation back, and everything's good, and my wife is helping me, and we go upstairs, and I don't see nothing initially, but I begin to take the plumbing apart from under my kitchen sink, and I could tell it's clogged, and then I pull down my dishwasher, and there was a problem. It was backed up in my dishwasher, and that was a sour smell. How did this get clogged up? Because of food and stuff that keeps being put down in the drain. There had to be a purging take place. So what did I have to do? 
I had to clean it out. So this happened Saturday night. Church is Sunday morning. I didn't want no distractions, so I said, this can wait till tomorrow after church. So I come home last week after church until 10 o'clock at night. I was snaking my drain, getting all that gunk out. I was purging it. I was getting out everything that did not need to be in there. Are you getting this picture? This is what leaven does. If you leave it in there, it's going to cause a stink. It's going to cause injury, and it's going to affect everybody. Because nobody in our house, because of that, could operate efficiently. Purge it. 1 John 3 and 4, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. i got five minutes to close this out. We must remove malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread. This is the crucial part. i got to give you this. How do you purge something out with a will intent? How do you purge leaven out? How do you purge it out, church? With unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Sincerity and truth. The Passover lamb. He is the Passover lamb. What purged the children of Israel? The blood of Jesus. Replace the leaven with unleaven. All deliverance and freedom of sin comes through the Passover lamb. Now this word sincerity is a Greek word, elkarina, meaning warmth. I thought this was so powerful. Warmth of the sun or tested by the light of the sun. This word purity and truth. Is Greek for Althea, meaning certainly what Elohim demands of men. So I'm going to give you some practical steps and I'm going to close this out. Number one, avoid tempting situations. Go around it. We've all seen the rain that's been coming and we've all seen sinkholes. If you see orange cones and if you see caution tape, don't drive up to it. Go around it. Avoid it. This smart gentleman during Dorian that decided to drive his Jeep on the beach. Did not go well. Wash his Jeep. Nice Jeep in the ocean. Avoid tempting situations. Don't look at it and don't be near it. Winning early means avoiding the trap. Consider the consequences. Ponder the consequence of the desired option. The first exposure for me to pornography was a jet magazine. Years ago, little jet magazines, that little small issue there, Progressed to an out-of-control issue. From a little magazine. Who's going to be the swimsuit model of the month? Don't tell me it ain't real. Because in my day, you had to get a magazine. Now it's on everything. You can't even walk into a clothing store without seeing a mannequin that they're trying to portray as something real. That's deception. We got to run from it and we got to stay away from it. We got to avoid it at all cost. Some, some we heard in this church bounce your eyes. Whatever works for you, for me, I got to avoid it. I love football games. I love going to the Panther game. But when it's halftime and them cheerleaders are out there kicking their butts around, I got to go to the concession stand because I don't need to be sitting there looking at that. I have to make a decision. Now, I love football. But you cannot tell me as a man that you are not going to make a wrong decision if you sit there and look at that woman. You cannot tell me. I'm just as sanctified as they come. But when something is pretty and it's like that, you're going to have a wrong thought. 
And me and my wife have an honest agreement. She, she, so she says, honey, I know you like going to them football games. Now, I don't have a problem getting personal because I tell you what works for me. So I tell my wife, you send me pictures of you, baby, because the only one I want to be looking at is you. I'm serious. Send me all them pretty pictures because I want to wrap my mind around the blessing that God has given me. I don't want to fall victim to the trap. I've been married 21 years. The first three years, I was addicted to pornography. I struggled with this thing. I couldn't even walk in a store without looking at someone's behind. How did that happen? There was a deception seed sowed in my life. You can't play with this, church. Question your intent. What is the intent of your heart? It's stuff like this that will send you to hell. You can't play with this. Intention sets a desired motion or emotion. A desired motion or emotion. Emotions caught up in the moment. The here and now. We live in a society that wants now gratification. I want happiness now. I want it now. Desired now. Practice sexual intimacy. Amen. Practice sexual intimacy. How do I do that? Set your mind on the intent of your desired results. If I want a happy, successful, intimate marriage, I got to practice at it. I got to treat my wife like she's a queen. I got to give her all the compassion she needs so that she can fulfill my desire. If you're a man in here, don't tell me you don't have a sexual desire. If you're a man in here and you don't have a sexual desire, I need to talk to you. Every morning, this morning, that was the first thing on my mind. I know I'm ministering today, but that wasn't the first thing on my mind. Being intimate with my wife was the first thing on my mind when I got up this morning. It wasn't on her mind, and it didn't happen because she's like, I got to stay in the spirit. I got stuff to do. But you can best believe tonight it's going to be on. Hey, man, you got to practice sexual intimacy. And if you're single, listen, don't be reading them romance novels, fantasizing about all this. That's right. There's no perfect man, but listen, you cannot be a single lady and read a romance novel and not put yourself in a in the wrong situation. Talking about I need somebody to hold me. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about all the statistics and ways you can go with this, but I believe you get the point. The point is, you know, you got to do what works for you, and I'm just giving you some practical steps that work for me. I practice sexual intimacy. You know, I, I have to. Occupy your mind with the right thoughts. It's very important. Constant prayer. Constant prayer. Cry out to God. When you get sick of sin, deliverance has to come. Keep a high standard. Keep a high standard. All of this pornography is deception and fakeness. It's fakeness. It doesn't paint the real picture. It's a death trap that wants to destroy your life 
and leave you empty. And you can't tell me as an older man either that you don't have a sexual desire. And that you don't have to deal with that because I had a father-in-law that I counseled who was in the rest home. And we talked about this many, 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 many times. And I, I was an avenue that he could use to help keep him pure. If you've got an old man who has a sexual desire and a 21-year-old beautiful woman comes in the rest home as your nurse, come on now. I don't know if this is too deep for you. You just don't want to talk about it. Here's what I'm saying. Will you stand, worship team come, or you can play something softly? Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.